Welcome to the Codcast. I'm Bruce Mole from Commonwealth Magazine, and I'm joined today by two women who may have different perspectives on how the Massachusetts legislature operates. One is Erica Eiterhoven, the representative-elect from Somerville and the head of a group called Act on Mass, which is pressing for greater transparency at the State House. My other guest is the woman whom Eiterhoven is replacing, Representative Denise Provost, who didn't stand for re-election this year and is retiring in January after 14 years in the legislature. Welcome to both of you. Thank you, Bruce. Thank you so much for having us. Erica, let's start with you. How would you describe yourself politically and tell us why you decided to run for a seat in the state legislature? Yeah, um, so I would say politically, I am a, a proud democratic socialist. I believe in a government that um, every resident, every voter has a, sh a shared say in what our government and our common goods look like. Um, and so in terms of what I want to, you know, why I ran and what I want to accomplish, um, I believe in building a state house that works for all people, that engages um, all of the voters and residents of Massachusetts. Um, and my belief, and we can dive into this more, is that, you know, the state house has not been in line with where working people's lives are. Um, and we saw this in the budget last week um, or in this week um, where you know, we are not seeing the critical funding we need for our public transportation, our education, uh, public health, right? Um, these housing, these are all things that uh, we need and our voters believe that our state house should be leading on, that we should be leading the nation on these issues. And we simply aren't. And so I ran because I wanna fight for a state house that works for everyone, but also engages all the voters of Massachusetts in a really meaningful way that it currently doesn't right now. So your organization, Act on Mass, has a pretty big, uh, in big type on its website. The Massachusetts State House is broken. Um, right. What do you mean by that? Yeah. So I think that comes to what I was just saying earlier about um, you know not engaging. The, the public, right? When I say broken, um, it kind of happens at all sorts of levels, starting with many times reps are voting on things and they don't know what they're voting on, right? Uh, the public has very little time to engage with the bill, right? In fact, oftentimes when, uh, you know, Commonwealth Magazine and other uh, sources of media get the chance to finally understand what's going on, the vote's already passed, right? So we're doing a retrospective this is what happened rather than this is what they're voting on and here's how you can have your voice heard. Um, and so that's what I mean by the, the state house is broken in that you know democracy isn't just about uh, voters casting their vote. That is an incredibly important part of it. But democracy is about information being out to voters so that voters, representatives and people voting and representing on their behalf, right, have the full information and agency to make decisions. Um, and so when folks call their voters, sorry, when voters call their representatives and they have to tell them, I actually didn't fully understand what I was voting on. I didn't understand uh, the nuances of the bill and therefore I didn't have enough time. Um, th that's a real problem in terms of how our democracy func functions in Massachusetts. And I'll, I'll just say one very quick thing too about just transparency because Act on Mass is often seen as like the transparency organization. I think that is a very necessary condition for, for functioning democracy, but it's not just about that. It really is about um, making the state government accessible to people. And I'll just say too, because um, Rep Provo and I uh, represent a very uh, young district. Um, the media, I'm actually the median age of our district, which is uh, in the low 30s. 
Um, and so we wanted to make the state government accessible to, to young people, particularly voters who have been left out of, of state politics. Um, and when you look at who representatives are conditioned, and I'll say, you know, to, to serve, the voters they served and the voters who tend to vote in democratic primaries and state elections tend to be white, tend to be older, and tend to own homes or own their property. Um, and our goal was to really expand that voter base and the engagement of that voter base. And so for us, a lot of the work we do is online. It's to make it accessible for young people. We're um, hoping to launch a website in the next month um, that makes it so if you look up any issue, whether that's healthcare, climate change, education, you can see what are the bills that are addressing those issues and where those bills are and who are the decision makers and how do you um, engage with them, call them, tweet them, email them, um, whatever it is that you can do to get your voice heard. And so that's a really big part of our function beyond uh, transparency and our mission as Act on Mass. Representative, let's let's turn to you for a, a minute. Um, so you have a lot of experience in the halls of the state house. Uh, what's your perspective? Is is Erica on target or is she naive? Well, I think Erica has studied how the state house works a lot more than I had before I became a member. I was in local government until then and you know didn't didn't know a great deal actually about how things were you know i i would follow the newspaper stories about um from when tom finneran was speaker of the house and and you know complaints about his management style but by the time i was elected it was speaker to macy um, but certainly, certainly the state house is an opaque place and the experience of working remotely and engaging with constituents who are trying to follow the legislature has made that abundantly clear to me. So when you say opaque, um, I have a I have my own vision of what you mean by that, but uh, I, it may not be the same as what you're saying. So it, it, for a regular voter, they just can't figure out how it works or what? Well, certainly there's there's insufficient basic understanding, which makes me really glad that the legislature, you know, has mandated civics education that helps on the most superficial level. But, you know, if I just, just talking about the budget, the inquiries that I've had from constituents, you know, yesterday I had a conversation with someone who had emailed me urging me to vote in favor of certain amendments. And I had to call him up and say, we finished voting last Thursday night. You know, it's in the Senate now. The budget's in the Senate now. Um, and he was complaining about that. And I was, you know, I was trying to think how I would find out that information if I didn't get it as an insider. Um, I've also had quite a number of um communications from constituents who were following certain amendments and of course some of the important bills that were filed 
as amendments like emergency paid sick leave. And they can go online and find the consolidated amendments, but they're very confused by that because the, the consolidated amendment you know, includes every amendment that's considered. And a lot of people look at that and say, those are the amendments that were added. And, you know, I've, I've heard complaints like, how do you find out whether something was included or not in the budget? And I say, well, I think you have to read through the whole amendment, which is what the members have to do to find out what's in the consolidated. Um, that's an example. Um, you know, I, I try to, you know, in my communications with constituents and in my newsletter, my electronic newsletter, to explain the house. But I remember when I'd only been there a couple years, you know, at a New Year's Eve party being asked, what's an informal session? And, you know, not every, not every legislature operates the same. And many people find our state house just mystifying. It is a bit mystifying. Um, if, uh, and Erica, let's turn back to you for a minute because mm -hmm. a lot of the proposals uh, that your organization has put forward mm -hmm. are, are pretty meager really. Uh, like, <laughs> you know, let's, let's disclose how people vote on in yeah. committee. Oh, it's pretty uh, hard to disagree with. <laughs> it's very hard. Make make bills public 72 hours prior to a mm -hmm. vote. Um, but then I have to admit um, that when I'm watching the budget being debated, um, it's very frustrating because um, the representative was talking about consolidated amendments. Mm -hmm. And right now that happens obviously off camera. Yeah. But in real life, they all go into a room uh, and, and you sort of have your own little mini legislature inside this room. Uh, I'd like to get this passed. We don't think that's a good idea. Back and forth. And and so what you end up with increasingly is lawmakers who give long speeches mm. talking about a bill that they then or, or an amendment, I should say, that mm -hmm. they then withdraw. And but they just wanted to get their point of view across. And it. I must admit, as it gets later and later, I'm going, shut up. I want, I want this to move along quicker. But what you seem to be saying is slow down. Let's let everybody have their say. It, it, it's a messy process as it is, but you want to slow it down and make it sim more simpler. Um, but I guess, I guess there's, a, there's a little tension about wanting to get something done and following all the democratic principles of everyone can say whatever they want and it goes on and on and on. Because I remember the days when it would literally go on for a week and yeah. the, the final two days would be round the clock, 24 hours a day. Yeah. Now it's now they've, they've streamlined it and made it efficient, but a lot of those principles that you talk about have vanished. What do you think? Well, I think we should probably turn to Representative Provost's uh, previous experience in municipal government, right? Because our municipal governments are held to a standard 
that our state legislature isn't because we write our own rules, right? Um, and so in municipal government, we are held to, or not we, but you know, municipal governments are held to uh, open meeting law, right? They are held to uh, public records law, right? These are all things that um, they manage to, you know, and democracy is messy. There's no question about that, right? But they manage to have an open debate that is for the public to view and understand. Um, that the state legislature doesn't. So I think it's it's not so much about the timing, how much debate, but to your point, right? We know that debate happens, but it does not happen in the public eye. Um, it happens behind closed doors. Um, and so I think that's something too that you'll notice that's very different from the Senate versus the House. Um, in the Senate, if you watch session, there's a lot of debate, there's a lot of back and forth. I mean, sure, some things do happen behind closed doors and it's not perfect, uh, but it's not like in the House where it is what is on display for the public to view is strictly performative politics, right? It is to say, look, I made a point and that's the best I can do. Um, and instead all that real debate that we get to see in municipal government, that happens largely uh, behind closed doors. And so that's the piece that we wanna see changed because, um, and you'll hear it too, even in the state house, right? Um, it's, you know, and again, this is a, a system. It's not just about individuals, but, you know, when you see bills like, um, this is really important actually for, for our district, uh, you know, preventing wage theft, right? This is a very simple uh, bill that AFL-CIO is pushing for. Uh, I think if you work a hard days of work, you should be paid for it. Um, there should not be wage theft. And, um, you know, that's something like 70 plus percent co-sponsorship. I mean, we have a veto-proof majority co-sponsorship. So why hasn't that bill as it's written, right, as the AFL-CIO drafted and not a weakened version, that bill as it is, why is that going nowhere, right? And that happens often, right? And we saw this, you know, fortunately the Roe Act did pass, but the Roe Act also had, you know, a pretty high, very high co-sponsorship and yet not going anywhere. And so I think that's that disconnect that I'm speaking of, of the public seeing some things or unable to see things and that playing out in the state legislature that is so fundamentally different to how every other body uh, of government works in our state. Representative, you, you care to address that? Why do you think that's the case? Uh, why did the legislature make itself exempt from the public records law? And well, the, partly that, but I guess I'm talking about the broader issue of, uh, the, I think what uh, Erica is talking about is we make our own rules, we do our own thing, uh, and we're going to do a lot of things out of the public eye. Why do you think that's the, that maybe, it's this opaque process. How, how do you figure it out? And is, is it by design? Well, um, I, I think that's a fair inference. I think if, if that wasn't intended if the the opacity were not intentional that 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 the process would be more open um you know some other inquiries i've had this week are about bills and conference committee constituents want to know what's going on with climate change what's going on with um police reform because the house and senate each passed a different, quite different version um, of bill on, on those two topics. And they're in conference committee. So conference committee is a deliberation that goes on 
among six members, um, completely out of the sight and hearing of other members. We can send letters to the conferees um, and presumably could potentially have individual conversations, but, but the process is, is very well sealed. And, you know, maybe, maybe that's necessary for to, or at least for, to an extent for successful negotiations, you know, just as in diplomacy, you know, you have, you have Chatham House rules, you have um, the, the security of knowing that, that you can have wide ranging conversations that aren't reported. But, you know, I've wondered, especially in the last few sessions when some bills have ended up not coming out of conference at all, um, after all that work, wondering, if our current conference committee process is a good one. Um, and you know, in terms of, of the amendment consolidation in the budget, you know, in my, my early years in the state house, when there were, there were a lot of members who were my senior, you know, some of them would, would wax nostalgic about thinner in speakership and say, oh, in those days, we took up every single budget amendment. You know, they weren't at, by, they weren't at that time bundled together. And it was as you describe it, you know, long, long days and nights of taking up every amendment and voting on it. And there's, there's certainly a trade-off, I think, between efficiency and and certain democratic principles like full debate and transparency, and the doing things remotely during COVID has shifted that balance even further toward um, toward the unknowable, shall we say? Yeah. Um Erica, in the time we have left, you have ambitions about how you'd like to change this body. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, I think I mentioned to you before we went on I, on the phone that I've seen a lot of, I shouldn't say that, I, I have yeah. seen other newcomers to the legislature talk with firebrand language about it's mm -hmm. going to change and I'm going to help lead the change. And and they do, but they also realize, I think, and it's true in Congress as well, that newcomers, if you want to get anything done, you're not expected to be shouting from the ramparts all the time. And so you have to work within the system. How, how do you see that tension? Do you want to work within the system to change it? Um, some of your, some of the people that came in in the last session were talking pretty strong and, and they've sort of now are working within the system, it seems like. Mm -hmm. Are you, are you going to do that or how, how are you going to approach that change? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, you know, when we say working in the system, what does that mean? Um, you know, for me, what that means as a representative is working with my colleagues to build on our shared interests of the change we want to see. 
Uh, I'm certainly not alone in the state house. Uh, you know, maybe my language and my firebrandness might be uh, unique, but um, in terms of our shared interests with other legislators who want to see a state house that uh, respects their voice, right? Respects their point of view, respects their ability to have agency in this process, right? That is, there is quite a wide swath of legislators who who feel that way, um, and so it's my job and duty to you know bring those people along and to bring us together around a shared uh, strategy and a shared mission, right? Um, that's to me is what working quote in the system means is that you know as a legislator you work with your colleagues to get things done. Um, I think in terms of, you know, the change I want to see too, there is a part um, that I think is so critical that we've almost lost or our, our muscle, I should say, our democratic muscle is atrophied over um, the decades is the engagement of, of voters, right? Because ultimately, um, I'll just say, and I think we, we spoke about this earlier, the um, the state house is largely run like a corporation in that it's very hierarchical. Um, and the, the power is held by a small number of people um, and the, the rank and file reps and many, many, uh, even I would say reps in, in some form of positional leadership feel that their voice doesn't uh, get heard or, or isn't acknowledged. And um, the ultimate, the point is that we, we don't, this is not a corporation, right? Uh, because we actually work for our constituents. That's, that's our boss. Um, and that's what something is so unique about democratic institutions is that it isn't just about a CEO at the top or shareholders at the top. Um, ultimately, I need to serve my constituents and every rep who uh, enters that building is there because their constituents supported them and voted for them. Um, and so I think that in terms of seeing the change that I wanna see, that is a really key part of engaging when I say, you know, bringing people with me into the state house, um, that they are able to be engaged in the process um, and also make very clear hard asks of their, their representatives because that's what we owe it to them, right? I mean, Rep Provo gets emails and I already get emails about, you know, where I stand on these amendments and these bills um, and as I should be. Um, and so I think that's a really key part that I, I hope that will, will change. And that is the, the part that I really uh, build into, and that's why the you know the rules demands that you saw on Act on Mass's website. That's that was came from the advocacy and activist community of this is what we need to see changed, um, and I think that's a really critical first step to getting towards that. And Representative, I'll, I'll let you sort of wrap us up here. Um, I'm sure you've already done this, but what advice would you give Erica as she comes in in January with all the with all her firebrand stuff, what would you tell her to do? Well, when she she says that her idea of working within the system is to work with colleagues to identify common interests, I'd say that's she's got that part right. That is the heart and soul of it. That's one of the things that's been so difficult since the building closed and we started working remotely. Um, you know, it's hard, hard enough to keep in touch with, with people that you know and have worked with on Zoom meetings alone. Um, because as, as you've probably seen from the gallery, when the house is in session in person, it can seem chaotic. There are people talking to each other and roaming around the room and and it can look incoherent, but it's the it's the it's the 
like a beehive. They're, these, are, these are essential communications that are going on. This is, this is our work with our colleagues. This, some of our colleagues we don't necessarily see except when we're in formal session because people are spread out all over the state. Uh, we're, we're deprived of that right now. And the incoming class won't have the bullpen. Um, I didn't either because I came in in the special election. And, and it's something that, an experience that I miss, the bonds that are formed when the, the new class is all stuck in one room with their aides is an essential one. That's the building block of the, the bigger beehive in a sense. I, I, I'm sure that, that the, the representative elect is, is on the phone and is reaching out to colleagues in, in other ways. Um, but I think surmounting that, that initial obstacle is going to be hard for, for anyone coming in. And I see it in my colleagues who've been sworn in during the pandemic who came in in special elections. It's tough. They, you know, they, they need to ask a lot of questions and they wanna make connections. But as with every other part of life, right now it's real, real hard. Well, it sounds like you've got your work cut out for you, Erica. Um, but I wanted to thank both of you for joining me today on the podcast. And I also want to thank our listeners for listening. And we'll be back again next week. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us. Thank you.